Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Are you ready? What's going on, people? The Believe Podcast Network presents Believe in Rutgers with Alex Schoen. Schoen has been brilliant with his wings tonight. And Ryan Cunningham. Ryan Cunningham is a senior wearing 28 in the red. We're talking all things Scarlet Knights from the greatest state in America, the state of Rutgers. This is Jersey, baby. Blue 80! Blue 80! Blue 80! 180! 180! Just when you think things are on the up, Voluntary workouts are back. Good vibes. Now listen, they're voluntary workouts, but they're they're mandatory. It's it's optional mandatory lifting, as my late high school coach used to say, the great Carmen Garino. And with the return to campus, we are seeing a ton of players across the country testing positive for coronavirus for whatever reason. So what does this mean for not just Rutgers, but for the entire state of college football? Well, now that you say that, The USA Today article that I read the other day showed that 38 out of 130 schools, that's 29% of the FBS, had positive coronavirus tests. Um, Rutgers came back with two, and they have three in quarantine right now, um, which is still bad. You really don't want to see kids coming down with the virus. But compared to other schools, they are really not doing that bad. Yeah, absolutely, especially when you look at the numbers from early on. It was like, what the heck is going on in New York City? The whole tri-state metropolitan area is an absolute mess. But now we've made the most improvement. And honestly, we're the most steady currently throughout the entire country. I agree with you there. Uh, New Jersey has had so strict guidelines with the lockdown, as well as New York compared to other states. Um, This past week, as you saw in Texas and Florida mainly, cases went up dramatically. There's 36,000 new cases this week. And New Jersey has done a pretty good job of limiting those cases. But the health of college football at this point, I do not really think is in that is doing that good. Listen, I think that one more person getting this virus is one more person too many. But at the end of the day, there's going to be people trying to make this thing happen. So when you look at the improvement of the Northeast and the Tri-State in particular, it's awesome. But then you look at the rest of the country and certain other areas in the country, and it's pretty concerning. I completely agree with you. It is really frightening. It's really alarming. Just to break down this article that I read, a couple programs that were noteworthy to have a lot of positive tests. Alabama, eight players tested positive at least. Uh, Clemson, 47 out of 430 people in their football department tested positive for coronavirus. That's so many. Iowa State, 10 positives. Kansas State had 14 positives. LSU had at least 30 positives. Texas had at least 15 positives. So that means that there are 16 states mentioned in this article. So Alabama, Arkansas, Texas, Idaho, Florida, South Carolina, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, West Virginia, Michigan, Mississippi, Indiana, Oklahoma, and New Jersey. That's the majority of these SB- of where these FBS teams are. And at this point, I'm not really sure if the season is necessarily going to happen. Dude, I was looking at a lot of statistics the other day and with all these FBS schools, there's 130 of those, not even mentioning the other 125. FCS Division One AA schools, those schools also operate as their own businesses, so to speak, and they want to have a season. They want to make money. But in particular, I came across some stuff on NPR and National Geographic and correlating that data with some other things that I was noticing in terms of trends. 
it created this alarming statistic that I wish I did not see. 89 out of the 130 FPS teams are located in states where the coronavirus has spiked over the last two weeks, anywhere from 16% to 310%. Now listen, I'm not a huge fan of how these statistics were formatted because if I say something's up 100%, I could just say, okay, well, it doubled. And I think when you get into the numbers of 100%, you see something with 200%. I think it strikes a lot of fear into people's hearts and I don't think we need fear right now. I think what we need is awareness. We need to be aware of what's happening in these states. And then I think we need action. But at the end of the day, these statistics can be given in any format and they're still going to be alarming. And when you look at the state of Texas alone, they've got 12 FBS teams. And then Florida, like you said, they've got seven teams. That's 19 right there. And then another seven when it comes to California. That's 26. It just adds up to so many schools. Georgia, they're up 99%. They've got four FBS teams. South Carolina, three. Arkansas, two. Tennessee, four. And then you get into Ohio. They're in that 55% range. They've got eight FBS teams. And this doesn't even include the other 125 FCS teams, which who knows how many cases they have. So these statistics are terrifying. If I'm a parent and I'm sending my kid off to college, even as a student, not even just a member of a college football team. I am really nervous. Yeah, I, I'm with you. If I was, if I had a kid being on one of these teams, I wouldn't necessarily let them go to school. I think that this whole thing should be more about the health of the student athletes. And you mentioned all these states. These states are not just do not just hold like mid-major programs. We're talking about major states that hold Power Five conference teams that make us so much money for for the whole schools and are such big businesses that it's really disheartening to see this. So it just makes me more and more pessimistic about the season to actually happen to actually see big time college football this year. But New York, New Jersey, the tri-state area was the coronavirus hub just a couple of months ago. And you saw the improvement that we made in just a couple of months. Now we have two months. So these other states can make the same type of improvement. But this is a wake-up call. Our backs are against the wall at having a college football season. I know some college coaches and administrators have publicly thrown out the idea of other conferences and other teams playing, regardless of if other teams in their conference or in their area on their schedule are ready to play or not. I don't think that's realistic, so I don't think that's going to happen. I agree with you. And another thing that we have to keep in mind as you see more sports coming back, so the PGA Tour is coming back, you see basketball coming back at the end of July, you see hockey coming back, NFL is probably going to happen this year. The common things with them is that they're professional athletes, and they're getting compensated for all they're worth. The thing with student-athletes, where you, it doesn't matter where you fall on the spectrum in terms of if they should get paid or not. You know, some, peop- some athletes might want get paid, should get paid more. You know, they might be getting screwed. But these players are not getting paid. And they're playing for much less than they are worth. They bring in tons of money to these universities. And it's not worth the risk, in my mind, if I was a college football player, it's not worth the risk to potentially getting COVID, to potentially having one of the bad side effects that COVID has had to a bunch of different people for me to, you know, that harm my health, harm my well-being, for me to actually play a football season. And I think the schools are taking that into account too. They're not professional athletes. They're still amateurs. And I just don't know how morally the season will happen due to all of this. Well, yeah, these are student human athletes. And I think that just opens up a whole nother can of worms where it's like, okay, classes go online, for example. 
why is it safe to practice and play football games, but it's not safe to go to class. Then it turns into not just a health and safety issue, but a health and safety issue plus all these other issues. You know what? A couple weeks ago, we were thinking, oh, cases going down. We're getting better. We're getting better. You know, even though we won't have fans in the stadium, it's still going to be football season. That optimism has kind of gone away at this point. And I know we still have time to figure it out. I know games don't start till the end of August or even that week zero that they did last year between Florida and Miami, which was August 24th, a week before usually college football happens. But the time is ticking. The time is ticking. And there's really not much wiggle room that we can really see to have to have football this year. I just I really want to see football. College football is one of my favorite things. I want to see Shiano return back in Rutgers. I think it's going to be awesome for the state, awesome for the program. But I just don't see how that's physically possible in this point of time. Things can change in the next couple of weeks, but at this time, I really don't see it happening. All right, what do you think about any potential contingency plans that either Rutgers, the Big Ten, or the NCAA would maybe consider? I know I said earlier that I don't think it's going to be this team plays, that team doesn't play. I think that's just a bad look, to be honest. But when there's that much money at stake, sometimes people make interesting decisions. Yeah, this is a really tough situation. As we saw, spring sports in the NCAA, all spring championships were canceled. The basketball tournament was canceled. The wrestling tournaments were canceled. I think that if this happens, they're going to have to grant kids another year of extra bil- another year of NCAA eligibility. That's what they did in the spring. Yeah, but, really- yeah, but in, yeah, but in the spring, completely different can of worms. I don't. There's no in spring sports. I think only baseball is really a revenue sport, and baseball is is only a revenue sport at certain institutions. Yeah, I'm with you, and I know it's a completely different can of worms, but I still think the principle. I mean, we're not just talking about football. I mean, if baseball is just the one revenue sport in the spring, they still got their eligibility back. Football is really the only uh, only money sport, their only money maker in the fall. They're still going to have to give all athletes eligibility back. I know we're just talking about football right now, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking. I'm not talking about in terms of the eligibility. They're going to get the eligibility if they were to cancel the season, and they should, they they deserve that eligibility. But what I'm saying is, I think that in the spring they would be they were. I mean, it was new number one, mm-hmm. and they would be much more quicker to cancel the non revenues. As terrible as that sounds, they should be like, no matter what it is, they should be able or no matter how much money is at stake, they should cancel because of the well-being of these players and coaches. Yep. Now that you said that, that is I completely agree with you. They are going to try their hardest to get football, football to play. They're going to try their hardest to basketball to play. Those two sports make so much money for the score. Basically, the only two profitable sports in all of the NCAA. And then because they make so much money, they pay for everything else. Lacrosse that we played, I know it's a phenomenal sport and we love it. Not necessarily a money maker, right? So football and no, basketball, <laughs> football, football and basketball basically pay for all of our equipment, all of our sticks. We play in the football stadium, but you know we we only pack one side of it, not even. But that side is electric. Come on, that side is electric. Oh, it's electric, and I love it. But it's not it's not a football Saturday. You're not you're getting a tenth of what the football crowd football game usually sees and they will definitely cancel the Olympic sports to limit the amount of people there, but they'll keep the football players there. 
They make so much money for the university. They are going to try to have a football season. I, I agree with you with that. Yeah, we're just talking about this, and it's like that's what this has come it's to. It's really come to. I mean, it's it's really tough to see. They really, I mean, everything comes down to money. The whole universe comes down to money. It's all about money at the end of the day. And football is a moneymaker, and they're going to try to play as many football games as they can. And a lot of these schools have used all their football money to build new, new, new stadiums, new, new athletic facilities, and they need to keep capitalizing on all this money so they can pay it back so they're not in debt. The thing. So let's say we have a contingency plan. Um, there's a couple I've thought of. So there's buying more time for a vaccine or for the for the virus to die down again, which is started in October potentially. Um, then there's you look at geographically, the Northeast is in pretty good shape, um, and some of the Big Ten is in good shape. If the rest of the Big Ten could get it together in terms of their state could you see a total big 10 season because there's 14 teams you know you you'll play 12 other teams and not play just one other team or could you see college football going this would never happen this last this last one i'm about to say is the most unrealistic out of them all but could you see college football going regional so like the northeast is doing pretty good so you, you have a Northeast League, so like you have Rutgers, Maryland, Boston College, UConn, Syracuse, Temple, Buffalo, Penn State, all schools that are in areas that vi the virus has gone down, uh, with the exception of Temple pretty much. Although Philadelphia has gone up in the last week, they've pretty much been pretty good. They've gone down for the most part. I think Philly and the state of Pennsylvania is more steady than they are increasing. Yeah, those are really good points. Um, just based on the USA Today article that I wrote, that I read, um, the Big Ten, they only mentioned four schools in here. Um, I think some other schools potentially could have coronavirus cases. They're probably just keeping it private. But Iowa had three positive tests. Michigan had two positive tests. Michigan State had two positive tests. And as we mentioned, Rutgers had two positive tests and then three in quarantine. I think it's going to be hard to get all the schools in the Big Ten to play a season if only a couple schools actually don't have have lower numbers with the coronavirus cases. I just don't I just don't know how the Big Ten will be able to play a season if a bunch of these states have have gone up. I know that's a couple weeks out and still have to, there's still a lot to go on. There's still a lot of time, but it's just hard for me to see that they're that the Big Ten is gonna put their student athletes in danger. All the conferences. All the conferences at that point are based on their own leagues, and they're going to make their own decisions. The Ivy League basically was the first lacrosse league to cancel lacrosse, but then the NCAA decided to cancel the whole lacrosse season this past spring. So all these all these conferences act as many leagues, and they're going to do whatever they want. And so there could be different rulings depending on where they are and how far along they are in the stages to you know eradicating the virus. Well, you and I, both high school lacrosse coaches, we both saw the trickle down effect from the Ivy League in spring sports. We saw the Ivy League cancels, then the Patriot League cancels. Very academic driven conferences first, then all the other conferences, then the Big Ten, then the ACC, then everyone. Pretty much now, the Big Ten I would put in the category as a very academic-driven conference. They are, but here's now 
because it's such a potential moral issue, do you see a trickle-up effect? We have seen college f- football teams at the Division three level, uh, particularly uh, TCNJ and Bowdoin in the NESCAC, another academically driven conference. TCNJ, a very good school as well. They have canceled their fall seasons for athletics. They're going to do some sort of modified fall in terms of academics. Now, do you see that trickling up from the Division Three and Division Two canceling all the way up to the Division One AA's and the Division One A's, putting pressure on them? So it's like, okay, well, if it's not safe for us to go play football, it's safe for you guys to go play football because there's a bunch of money at stake? Um, that's a really good point. I think that there's definitely could be some influence, but we're talking about Division Three football. The best Division Three football team, let's say Mount Union, compared to Alabama – the amount of money that Alabama makes due to their football program compared to Mount Union is But that's my point. It's about money. It's not about the safety of these of these players, these coaches, about anybody. It's, it's astronomically different. Like I I would like to think that this is more about health and, you know, keeping everybody safe. But at the end of the day, like Alabama makes so much money from the SEC network, they make so much money from all these TV deals, so that all these SEC teams, which is basically the best football conference and it has been for the past two decades, I just, I don't see how division one is going to necessarily bow down to division three football because there's so much money at stake. I'd like to think that there's, there's a different option, but I just don't see it how it's happening. You see, that's where I kind of don't agree. Cause I think if more of these schools, especially in the same area as where these other FBS teams are, I think if they start canceling, that's going to turn into a much bigger issue at the federal level, and especially at the state government level. I'm with you there. I think that at the end of the day, I don't really think college football is necessarily going to be played this year, but I think that's going to take a lot for all these schools to cancel the football season due to all the money. I know I've said it multiple times, but it's all about the money. It's all about that. It's all about it's all about the cash. Must have been the money. It, it must be the money because it's all about the money. And they make so much money. All these schools fund all their sports from this. And I think it's going to be tougher than to cancel the season. They're going to cancel Olympic sports before football, but football is going to be the last domino to fall. Going back to just the whole Rutgers situation with Coach Ciano, um, I Rutgers kind of almost needs this football season to happen because they want to have confidence in Ciano. They want to see the progress of the team. It's going to make people feel better about themselves, and I want them to have that football season. But with New Jersey being so close to New York, if there's a second wave, I just I don't think it's going to happen. It's funny. I don't think there's a difference if there's no season for Rutgers. I think that, honestly, it's one more year where Coach Ciano gets that 2021 recruiting class on campus without playing. And although you want to play a football season and develop the rest of the players, uh, if it's the best for the future of, let's be honest, mankind, then um, yeah, let's not do it. And I will say this, Coach Ciano's in it for the long haul. So I don't think that this one season is going to make a difference. If you look at his track record from his first stint at Rutgers, took obviously a couple of seasons to get going, and he signed an eight-year, $32 million contract. That man is not going anywhere. He's also got the best athletic director, in my opinion, in the Big Ten, and one of the best ADs in the country. I think Pat Hobbs has done a phenomenal job 
I know we're talking about more about football, but how he's reshaped the basketball program at Rutgers. Pat Hobbs has got has gotten a whole new world of Rutgers Rutgers fans excited for at Rutgers athletics. Finally, he's starting to turn Rutgers into a football school. Rutgers has always had an issue of either committing fully to academics or athletics, but with Pat Hobbs at the helm, he's committed to athletics, and that's only built the brand of Rutgers. And I think it's phenomenal for the university, but Rutgers is a phenomenal academic school. And now it's got those big, big name sports programs. Like we were going to make the basketball tournament this year. Pat Hobbs has done an awesome job. And I think that he is going to make the right decision with our student athletes. And if the, and the best, if the best decision will go, if that's not playing the football season, we won't play the football season. Yeah. And if you are listening to this and you are concerned about the well-being of the Rutgers student athletes, we played sports at Rutgers for four to five years and Pat Hobbs is for the boys. He's for the players. He's for the coaches. He's for the health of all Rutgers student-athletes, Rutgers students, Rutgers administration, Rutgers facility workers, Rutgers athletic trainers, Rutgers everybody. If you have an R on your chest, Pat Hobbs is for you, and he'll do whatever he can to make sure you're in the best position to succeed. So I trust him to make the right decision, whether that's play or not play. I think that he will make the right decision. Um, it just sucks to see all this news coming out, how everything's spiking again, and it's making me really pessimistic about this football season. And I know that if it really comes down to this well-being of the student-athletes, I know it might take a while for these schools because it's such a moneymaker. I would honestly rather them not play the season so we have more seasons in the future i hate it that we're even having this conversation um but let's be optimistic because we have two months and we we're going to continue to do our part here in the metropolitan area and hopefully everywhere else that is spiking 33 other states in particular um hopefully they do their job and uh we got your back and we'll be bringing you all the updates from the rocker sports world and Hopefully that by this time in the next month or two, we'll be playing football. We'll see Coach Chiano back on those sidelines, coaching the team, chopping away, getting everybody fired up for the future of Rutgers football. Okay, so let's preview next week's episode. We're having former Rutgers All-American lacrosse player Scott Bita on the show. He was also the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year in 2016, led the Scarlet Knights to an appearance in the Big Ten Championship game. And if you're a young athlete in particular, you're really going to want to hear this guy's story. Yeah, it's going to be a great show. Scott Bita is an incredible guy. He's a great friend of ours, and we're looking forward to talk to him. I think it's going to give some awesome insight into how high school players are dealing with the coronavirus and those people that want to play in college. And I think it's just going to be an awesome show. It's a, he's a great guy, great coach, and I'm looking forward to talking to him. You're right. You know who my jersey Mount Rushmore is? Let me know. Let me hear it. All right. Frank Sinatra, Bon Jovi, Bruce Springsteen. Tony Soprano, Greg Schiano, and Scott Bita. A little biased, but, you know, who cares? I think that's a phenomenal Mount Rushmore. Hey, you made it to the end, or I'm just talking to myself and Ryan. You stay classy, Piscataway. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.